Hi, welcome to Intuition, Your First Sense. I'm Vicki, your intuitive life and development coach, and today sitting in the interview seat with Rebecca Honig. VickiBear.com, it's time to be your best. It's time to reconnect with your first sense. Trust in your gut, it's the real thing. Let's see what your future brings. Time to let the fun commence. Intuition, your first sense. Thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. This, I think, will be fun because I met Rebecca in spin class, and we don't really know each other, and I love that because I love spontaneity, um, and I, part of the reason that I wanted to have you in here was because of your energy, and obviously that's my work. It's what I do, and uh, it's a big part of who do I want to be around? And it is what they're offering. And if someone can make me laugh at 6 a.m. in a spin class <laughs> by completely being themselves, like that's what, Julie, you weren't looking for any of us to pay attention. You were just having a good time. And I'm usually that person in a class. So to have someone else show up, I was like, this is the best. <laughs> so thank you. For My pleasure. To this crazy adventure. She's like, I don't really know what the hell I'm getting into, but I'll show up. I'm up for it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel your kindred spirit in spin class. So <laughs> you're the other person dancing on the bike across the room. I, I, Yeah. Dance is not my forte on the spin bike. I can do it because there's no one to my left I'm going to knock over. There's no one to my right when they say go left and Vicky goes right. Like my proprioception in those things. That's why I ride bikes. I run. Everything is very <laughs> linear because the rest of my world is so not that I think the spatial concepts in this world, I didn't get that skill set. I, I just did not. So I appreciate when someone loves music and, you know, we can be playful. And I, that's what I felt too, is that that energy from you of we don't really need to be serious here, people. So thank you for coming in. So what I, the very little bit that I know about you is, and you will have to correct or edit or shift if I get anything wrong. So um, your mom. Yep. Three kids. Three kids. Yep. Oh, I thought two. Okay. So three kids. Um, and I... Uh, well, I know you're fun. So there's the mom. I know in some way you create abundance by being a freelance writer. And you can share with us. I, I th I'm throwing in entrepreneur because if you're a freelance writer, you're an entrepreneur as well. Uh, teacher, voiceover artist. And whether that's current before, I don't know. But I heard that little tidbit. And I thought, ooh, I'm going with this because like Allison Larkin, who owns the studio, Anybody who can do voices just immediately, I'm like, I don't know how you do that. That's brilliant. Yeah. All my accents are the same. So so can you give us a little bit, like, who is Rebecca? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because the things you mentioned um, sometimes feel very scattered. But then when I actually sit back and think about all of the different sort of 
points, touchdown points in my life and the things I've been called in my life professionally, they're all connected. Um, and uh, so I, um, I started off as an actor, actually, living in um, – I went to school in undergrad in Boston, uh, joined the Actors Union in Boston, and then at the time it was very hard to be working once you were in the union in Boston, so oh. I moved to New York. And I was uh, immediately started working um, doing arts and education because that was work that was I was passionate about and familiar with as I was going to auditions. And I was in line for an audition and it was uh, there was an epic line, these equity auditions. You'd go and you'd wait for hours and hours and you'd be seen by a casting director and told thank you very much. And mm. I was waiting in one of these lines and there was this older gentleman standing behind me um, and he he said uh, he just struck up a conversation, um, and within two minutes of the conversation, he said, "Why are you at this audition? You're not going to get a role in this play because you're a character actress, but you're too young to be a character actress." I was like in my early twenties, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You're never going to be cast as, you know, a fourteen-year-old boy or an old lady or a witch." He's like, "You should be doing voiceovers," and. He gave me the name of a woman who taught um, voices for animation. And for whatever reason, I just knew I had to follow his advice. All right. So I went to this class, and the teacher was just phenomenal. Um, And she just happened to be transitioning out of New York. And so at the end of this class, uh, we really connected, and she said, I'm going to give you all of my contacts, and I'm going to give you all of my students. Wow. So it's like I went from not being in this world at all to being like I was immediately um, doing cartoons for major networks and getting gigs that I wasn't even auditioning for simply because this woman had given me her stamp of approval. (laughs) And then suddenly I was teaching character voice acting as my own career was just starting. Right. So it was like this amazing, crazy confluence of events, which continued because then I um, I was cast in a, um, so a mini Baby Bell cheese commercial. I don't know if you've <gasps> ever Baby had Bell. those. And I was this piece of cheese that did this wrap. <laughs> um, and, and it was a 14-year-old, it was like a teenage boy piece of cheese doing a wrap. So you could be a teenage um, boy. I played teenage boys the majority of my well. I played prepubescent boys often in the voiceover world. Right, <laughs> right. Because you don't like really Pokemon do Pokemon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Sonic X. I was like, all oh, these boys doing. You know, it was just and it was so fun. So I was playing this character, and I got to talking to the producer, and I said, um, you know. Uh, I really, the more time I spend doing animation work as a voiceover artist, the more I want to be making it, like writing it. And and he was like, you want to make a kid's show? And I was like, yeah, I want to make a kid's show. And I told him that I was doing arts and education work um, as I was also doing voiceovers. And he was like, let's do it. So I got involved in making a children's show with him. And as I was working on this show, I realized I actually didn't know enough about early childhood or early childhood development. I was like, I got to go back to school. So I went and got a master's in early childhood at Bank Street mm-hmm. in New York. And um, while I was there, um, made some phenomenal connections and ended up getting connected to Sesame Street, mm. where I um, and I did my field work there. And then... Um, 
as my field work was ending, they said, well, you, you want to come work here? <laughs> there was an opening. <laughs> so I ended up working at Sesame Street and um, was there as a, I started as a, a content specialist there. So what that meant is I was advising the scriptwriters on um, the educational goals and making sure that the content was developmentally appropriate and that the characters were speaking in their authentic voices and all of their voices are mapped onto developmental ages and stages of children. So... I got to go deep into scripts, but not as a writer. Okay. And then I had my first child. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I can't go into the office anymore. Um, but I love this work. So I, I left Sesame full time. And on my last day, I went downstairs where they were filming um, and creating the electric company. And I said to my producer friend there, I said, you know, I'm leaving the office, but I just want to be making scripts segments now. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I want to do next. And he said, pitch me some stuff. So my husband and I (laughs) pitched a series of segments, one of which got picked up and we produced, I don't know, 50, I don't remember how many it was in total. It was something like 54 segments for the electric company. And I ended up in my, um, for the uh, community impact department of Sesame Street writing, um, now, as a freelancer, I had transitioned to writing um, all of their uh, – I wrote, my gosh, children's books, teacher's guides, parent guides. And that work spun out because I was a freelancer. I could mm-hmm. go other places. And so in addition to working at Sesame, I um, worked at Scholastic and WGBH and Disney and Nickelodeon, kind of made my rounds, mm-hmm. kind of finding my love in mm-hmm. the world of kids and parents and – teachers. And then most recently um, started working for a startup um, called Ready for K, which is a text-based parenting intervention. I really wanted to do work that was um, evidence-based and Mm -hmm. I knew was moving the needle um, for kids and families. Mm -hmm. And this program is just amazing. It was developed out of Stanford. So now I'm having a foray into being the director of content, which is very sort of fancy and (laughs) requires me to really be a (laughs) grown-up. You, you've had three kids. You're, you're officially a grown-up. I guess. I don't feel that way. But this is part of what I feel like drew me into your energy or with your energy is that I, people who have childlike energy, mm. there's a difference between childish and childlike. And childish, I don't want to be around. Don't even bother. Childlike is that life force energy that to me is the... the um, Silliness, the curiosity, the the goofiness, the um, we can get things done. We don't have to be so stinking serious about stuff. And there's intelligence to it. Like kids have so much intelligence. So do you recognize all of those experiences that you went through, like the synchronicity of them now? Like when you look at them, can you go, Wow. Well, if you don't, I'm going to suggest some statements. Wow. I was really lined up when I met that guy behind me. And holy macaroni, I'm brave to say I want to do segments and all of these things, because in my world, you can you can do your work. You can get your master's degree. You can do all of this. But if your energy is not lined up, it is not going to manifest in these conversations or in someone saying, well, Pitch me something. You know, so can you see that? I think that when I step back and knowing I was 
going to be talking with you and not knowing a whole lot about <laughs> what this would be like, I was like, how has my intuition sort of mapped onto my life trajectory? And I was blown away to actually like start connecting the dots. And I realized I, I feel um, most – so I – first of all, let me just say I – love collaboration more than anything in the world. Like my sense of the universe being big and vast and magical is born out of collaboration. I mm. love working with people and and I do it mostly through play. I mean, whether I'm in a brainstorm with executives or um, making something with my kids in the backyard, like if I can tap into that playful, spontaneous energy where all the ideas are flowing, it's like... It's just amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I ha- I don't think I've been aware. You know what? Sometimes I'll make a connection with someone and I'll go like, oh, this is something. You know, mm-hmm. it's like um, it just feels like everything is tingly. alive and tingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I was also thinking like what happens right before that, right? Like before you actually make the connection and it starts feeling tingly, like what is that moment of being like, I should talk to this person, and then you, you know, make that first move. And I think the best way to describe that kind of um, initial connection is it feels like, you know, when like your favorite song comes on the radio mm-hmm. and you have to sing and dance mm-hmm. along to it. Mm-hmm. It's like some there are those people floating around in the universe, and I occasionally encounter one, and it's like that, yeah. but with a connection. I'm like, yeah. I, I have to connect with this person. It's yeah. like. There's not a lot of thought involved. And frankly, there almost never is because when it is more contrived, sometimes it it just doesn't work, right? It's It's awkward. But when the frequency, you know, when the radio turns to that song and you're just like, this is my jam, you know, and you go up to them. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's the the matching of the energy frequency. So you're in essence on the same point of the dial as the other person and you recognize – the um, familiarity of it, and maybe it jacks your energy just a little bit. And if you're fortunate, they see it as well. And then there's that reciprocal yes. action that happens where the other, it, it, it's not at least initially about what's going to happen. It's like, oh my goodness, this feels so good. Yeah. It just feels so good to feel so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I love synchronistic events for that reason, because if you are present enough, they you can almost stretch them out. Like what you were saying, that moment before the moment, you have to be pretty tapped in uh, to experience that, to have that pre-connection, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that's everything happens in energy before it happens in the physical world. So that's you tapping into the uh, thought form or the energy that got there before your cognitive head did, mm. because we pick up everything in this field of ours beforehand. So if you're able to be um, willing, it, it really does come down to being willing to have that information give you a little heads up, and I don't know why people wouldn't, um, except it does freak some people out. But that clear cognizant of just having that knowing is it's powerful. Yeah. And it's it it can give you the bravery to say, hey, 
<laughs> you yeah. want to come on in or do you want to collaborate? Do you want to do this work? So that is such a, um, a fun experience. So is your husband in the business as well? He is. So That's another exciting. interesting moment of collaboration. <laughs> we we met doing a play in New York together. It was an adaptation of Virginia Woolf's The Waves. Oh. And it, in, in so many ways, my gut kept telling me, you've got to get out of this play. This is going on and on and on. And then Josh, who is now my husband, joined um, later on in the process. And he... Like, after months of me being like, you've got to stop doing this play. Like, right. this play is making Why me miserable. Why are you still, still doing this play? And yet I kept going every day. Well, yeah, it was it was an intensive process. And then Josh showed up. And I remember thinking, like, huh, the energy has shifted in this play. Like, this somehow, this feels like a better play to me now. And we developed this very strong friendship. Um, as collaborators first. And um, he wrote a play, and he he cast me in it. And I showed the play to my dad, who, by the way, is a psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, who wrote this play? This person in this play is you, Rebecca. Whoever wrote this play totally understands who you are. Wow. And I was like, it was Josh. And, you know, (laughs) then that was kind of we I think that we both kind of felt things for each other. But um, it it was this wonderful affirmation from an external source. And so we started off as collaborators. Um, and have collaborated ever since. We do uh, most of our work for Sesame Street together. We are constantly coming up with projects to do. Mm -hmm. And we've recently started playing music together, kind of rediscovering music in our lives. I mean, I sing in the shower all the time, but I I started playing the banjo last year. And it's like, it's the thing that I'm most passionate about right now, which is amazing because I love my work, but I really love the banjo. (laughs) Well, that's I love the fact that you say we were collaborators first because, you know, I do a lot of work with couples and I do a lot of people who are uh, work with a lot of people who are healing from poor relationships Mm -hmm. and whether it's family dynamics or, you know, romantic relationships. And one of the things that I say to them is, if you want this to last, you had better learn to be friends. You had better yeah. learn to collaborate. You had better learn how to communicate. And because I I know Hallmark gives us a whole different version of what relationships are, but they can really be tough. And yes. if you have that friendship as the basis, you know, then you can navigate through the chemistry and you can, you know, have all that. But you have a strong foundation in which to be present. And, you know, in our drive through society, I see a lot of people just, you know, they want to place the order at the, the kiosk and pick it up at the window. And it's like, OK, but that's not really going to work really well. Trust me. That's why our divorce rates are so high. Yeah, but that the when you said that, I was like, well, that's why they're doing well, because they had a basis of collaboration and then to have somebody who really sees you and then have that affirmed by your dad. Yeah. It's like yeah, doink, doink, so doink. Cool. Like that could be a whole skit in itself, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the light bulb goes off over her head. The symbols smack her in the ears. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as you, you, you've given us uh, some insight into how you 
um, have arrived where you are, do you have a sense of what your primary like GPS is? Is it feeling the situation out? Like, what's your mm. what's your guidance system? It's feeling it out for sure. Um, but I have learned that it's also a bit of holding myself to my highest expectations, like sometimes and doing the hard work in mm. order to arrive at the place I want to be. Yeah. So like following an impulse or being in, having an intuition and making an initial connection is an amazing starting point and guidepost along the way. But like if I don't do the hard work all the way along, it doesn't tend to be something that I can be proud of. Yeah. So I, I, something I've realized about myself recently is like I would turn in a piece of writing and I'd get back notes and I'd look at it and I'd go, I knew I was going to get that note and I knew I was going to get that note and I knew I was going to get that note. And I realized, oh, I, I like st- – I, I, I submitted something that wasn't done yet. Mm. You know, like my 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 hardest working self would have made those changes before turning this in. Mm-hmm. Or I would have or my more confident self would have trusted that I understood what this piece of writing needed to be. It might be that more than anything, just like I ha- having that moment of doubt and so not trusting, gosh, you know what, I should do another pass at this. Mm-hmm. What, for whatever reason it is, I've recently um, started sleeping on my work before I turn it in. And mm-hmm. like people tell you this all the time, right? Like before you press send on an email, sleep on it. Or like yeah. before you decide to buy that jacket, you know, we... <laughs> go sleep yeah. on it. And, yeah. and I realize the same is true of of my work that like I might have an impulse that something is done, but if I just leave it on my desk and return to it the next day and it still feels done, then it's done. Mm. But a lot of times that second well, at that point, when I'm ready to turn something in, I probably reviewed for eighty fourth time. Yeah. You know, like uh, I need to really give myself the time and space to like, Make sure that I'm making a decision from a really grounded place, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, you're speaking to my coaching heart when you say that I have a knowing and intuitive sense and then I do the work because that's been one of the premises that I have said all along um, that if you're not willing to take action, if you don't blend this first sense with your other five senses, yeah, then you're not going to get the best out of your soul and human travel time. Mm. You're really jipping one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've been called an energy snob before because you know people are like I'm just going to wait until it manifests. I said, well, not if you don't get off your chuchi boomy and do something yeah. about it. Because there's a blend, there has to be that willingness to carry whatever the energy is. And a body of work is energy. Yeah. You know what? So when you're giving it that space, I feel like what you're saying to it is, I respect the intelligence that's in this body of work. Why don't you let me know if there's something else you need? Mm-hmm. And then that can drop in. You know, when we go to sleep, we soul travel. 
So you do a little bit of work yeah. in your non-physical. Oh, so part of you is out there. I just have this image of like going around with this basket and collecting. Like, what did I forget to put in? What would yeah. make it? Its, what would bring it to its highest intention? Yes. How can I be clear? So in in your non-physical. Um, seemingly resting place. <laughs> uh, there's a collection of all this other stuff, but there's a respect to the work yes. that's being given that I think is beautiful. So, well, we need to take a break so people can go potty. Okay. Although they can push pause. I realize this. I just think it's really cute to say, if you need to go potty, go ahead. Um, <laughs> and to get the commercials in. So we will be right back with uh, Rebecca and see what else we've got in store here. Great. You're listening to Intuition, Your First Sense, the podcast by Vicki Baird, intuitive coach, consultant, and speaker. Did you know that you can schedule a private intuitive session with Vicki? Book your own phone or video session online at vickibaird.com slash booking. And if you're ready to create transformation in your life as you develop your own intuition, choose a coaching package. With three, six, or 12-month options, you can benefit from Vicki's wise guidance over time as you discover your path. Plus, with a coaching package, you'll get improved pricing and priority advanced scheduling. Book today at vickibaird.com slash booking. That's V-I-C-K-I-B-A-I-R-D dot com slash booking. Thanks for listening. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because of Anchor. Anchor is an app that literally makes this podcasting experience so easy it's free and there is a creation tool right inside the app and it'll send it out to all the platforms for you. It has made this process seamless and something that actually helped me to really be excited about getting all the shows out to you because it didn't take a whole new degree in technology. So feel free to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your own podcast and let me know what it is so I can listen to it. Welcome back. I hope you had a good break. And uh, we got our drinks and wet the whistle and two good talkers in the room. So that's always good for content. Um, So is there anything that you'd like to ask me or questions or I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm trying hoping. to organize them in a way that... Ah, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, it's okay to hop around. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, because I kind of live in the world of um, kids mm-hmm. and parenting and education, I, I this is kind of self-serving, but I, I have all these questions about how intuition maps onto, um, well, first, parenting. Okay. So I guess... I one of the things I'm not proudest of is I'm like a little neurotic. <laughs> I might be a lot neurotic. <laughs> and children definitely inspire that neuroses. And sometimes I feel like my intuition as a parent is actually coming from a place of fear. Um and I I guess I'm wondering if you have any advice on that. Oh, um, yeah. 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 Does that make enough yeah. sense to Ooh. run with? Yes, yes. Um, so just so you're aware, because we have not been in the context of uh, Vicky at work, it's mostly Vicky praying that the class is over soon. Um, when people talk, I get a movie inside my mind's eye. Mm. So a lot of the times, 
you might feel like you're not finding the right words, but the movie is telling me what your uh, super conscious is asking. Mm. So, and because I love words, it just all, yeah, it drops in easily. So um, from a parenting perspective, uh, well, first what I'd like to go to is that neuroses, because we have to trust our instincts as parents. I think it's just one of the most important paramount things. I wish it was taught in the childbirth classes or as you're popping the kid out, like trust your instincts because there's truth in both parents' instincts. You don't have to give birth in order to have that because it activates within you by having this being in the world because they're little satellite dishes and they bring their own soul's trajectory with them. And they bring a lot of wiring. So talk about amping up the frequency in a home. All you got to do is add a kid. Um, And because their own, they're coming from a lifetime, they're coming from previous lifetimes with their information coming in to do their journey. You know, a lot of the times parents will say, well, these are my children. I'm like, no, they're not. They're just being lent to you because they need to get to their place to do their soul's journey. And that can take a little bit of pressure off. We do choose our parents. I remind my kid of that often. I'm like, well, you chose me. So you <laughs> need you need to renegotiate next lifetime if that's the case. Uh, she thinks she picked pretty well. Um, and so that when what I would say is get good at tapping into that feeling that of which you call neurosis or fear, and is it true? Is it actual? Or... So is there an intuitive sense here? Is there something telling you, "Mm, I got to stay with this? And the way you tell the difference is a true was taught this in my own childhood wiring or picked it up somewhere in society Mm -hmm. will be a heady game. It, it it will overthink. It'll go, 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 mm-hmm. go. And intuitive, I need to pay attention to this, will drop in and it'll be calm. It's, hmm. it's like the, you know, when you get to the place of, don't mess with me, kid. Like, that's the intuitive energy. Intuitive energy is very subtle. It's very calm. It's matter of fact. It rarely budges. So it's not this, energy. If you're having energy, that's a subconscious practice. That's a trained practice, which mm-hmm. is good because it also means it can be, you know, trained otherwise. Untrained. Yeah. So um, the challenging part, I think, with having multiple beings, I also raised three. So the multiple being thing is figuring out, and I wish I knew this when my kids were younger because they weren't of me. I acquired them. Um, But I didn't know that they each had their own soul's trajectory. And I wish I knew that because I feel like I would have navigated some of the things differently. They weren't a derivative of their parents. You know, they were coming in with their own desires and their own needs. And I feel like I could have met them a little bit better. By the time my kid came along, I had an idea of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why she's much more of an adult than I'll ever be. Um, But so with three of them, it would really be a good practice for you to 
maybe step back and and with Josh say, what do you see in this kid? Mm. Like, what do you think their soul trajectory is? And it's not to label them. It's to say, well, good for you, you little bugger. You decided to come in and do another human life. Aren't you brave? Mm -hmm. Um, And let me see how I can help with that. Because then it gives some freedom. You know, they still have to have boundaries and and kids need them. Um, But it gives a little bit of space to say, oh, I'm not really screwing them up. I'm listening to their soul and, and what it could use. So... But um, in any area of our life, an intuitive hit uh, or knowing usually drops in where a uh, human conditioning thing tells a story. Mm -hmm. It winds up Mm -hmm. to this as a problem. So here's the question. When you're stuck in the story in that place of thought, what are some of the strategies you would recommend using for Exiting that modality <laughs> and tapping into your intuition, like flipping from one to the other. Well, step away from the child if we're talking about a child. Um, just get some space, get some clarity. Um, I used to say to Kayla all the time, and she's 27 now, so she can give feedback. Um, and she has said that this has helped. I used to say to her, honey, I don't know everything. I, I don't know. And that's okay. I promise you I will do everything everything to figure it out, but I don't know. And that gives your head permission to stop acting like you're supposed to know. You know, Mm. there's this fallacy that we're supposed to know how to raise these kids. Really? No one knows. No one knows. If we just come clean, this parenting thing would be so much easier. And one kid isn't the same as the next kid isn't the same as the next kid. So um, I... But to in the moment, I would always go to breath. I mm-hmm. always go to breath, count for four. I like to inhale four, hold eight, and exhale four because that holding tells the brain, chill your little buns out. We got this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we fed them yesterday. We're okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we got a light Cereal note. can count as a meal oh, for dinner. I said that to my husband when we first met. I'm like, just so you know, cereal's a dinner. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, he was a good cook because cereal is a dinner. Yeah, um, it is when I'm cooking. Oh, I haven't had cereal in so long. Um, <laughs> so you basically have to stop. You can't change a story. You can't get out of a practice of a runaway brain mm. until you until you put the brake on. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, it's breath. Um, I uh, will clap my hands mm. because it breaks energy in a room. You know, you can't always whip out a sage stick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I will, and sometimes when I'm working with corporations and stuff, yeah. and I'll say, okay. Time for a break. I like that. And yeah. it's because it breaks the energy, yeah. you know, because you can't always go into a corporation talking about frequencies and stuff. So you have to present <laughs> as a systems person, right? So, um, But I still need that energy busted in order to be the best representation for them, right? Um, it's always about the pause. Mm-hmm. Bring it to the pause. Mm. I like to acknowledge to my brain, I think humor, and you can do this so well, I think humor heals all. So to be able to say, I will say to myself, well, that is creative, Victoria. <laughs> that is very creative. 
perhaps you should write about that. Um, rather, and then it just helps me laugh because I'm not doing it in judgment. Yeah, I'm acknowledging that part of my brain is there for creativity, and and maybe I'm not giving it an outlet. Right. So, um, you need to f- just find a different home for it. You do. Yeah. You do. How would you like to apply yourself today, uh, subconscious? Um, and then there's you can go to if it's a truly, um, we'll call it invasive practice, in which it's that the the the, the steps of stopping don't work, well, then, like some of the work I do is the neural pathway work, mm-hmm. in which we actually speak to the neural pathways of the brain, and we shift that little puppy out. And you it, it ends old patterns, and it become, you eventually, through the process of letting them go, acknowledging them, you bring in a new practice in the same session. You bring in wow. a new practice. And it's fascinating to watch Gosh, because... Now I just want you to speak to my neural pathways. <laughs> because it's um, it's fascinating to watch somebody go through this. And I am certified in it. It's not, I didn't just decide to work inside people's craniums. Um, but... Well, I did, but then I got the training. <laughs> um, they, it, it's fascinating to watch. You just watch it come over someone's face when they realize and, and the neural pathways shift because there's a peacefulness that happens and often a confusion because we're so in our habits and in our practices, but they don't have to be. We have this thing in our brain called the reticular activating system, and it's, it's, it's a fancy name for a box and everything that we take in goes in that box. It doesn't care what you're putting in. So its job is just to hold everything. And in prehistoric times, we needed to know everything, right? We needed to know that that bush was where the, the tiger was hiding. This is the survival box. Exactly. So it doesn't kick anything out until you ask it to leave. So, we're you know, if there's trauma in the past, if there's... Um, mistrust if and who hasn't gone through somebody mistrust or anything so I think this is why it's important to recognize we're never stuck in a situation or Mm -hmm. in a thinking pattern or in a belief system and this is also why I love hearing about the people who are working with our kids because I have this pretty rudimentary theory that if we start with the adults that are aware now and we help the ones coming in, to they don't have to go through, they don't have to forget who they are. Mm. They don't have to rediscover it in their 30s. They don't have to clear up trauma or anything. If we address it in the moment, there's so much um, science and, and studies behind acknowledging trauma is where it gets released and because the healing can't happen until it's acknowledged. So in this reticular activating system is every experience you've ever had, joyful and otherwise. So sometimes it's a matter of saying that experience which was not as joyful Let's remove it. And in the practice that I do, we don't get into story. Sometimes I have to acknowledge, you know, what that person said <laughs> was dumb. Um, so long-winded response to um, how do you shift a pattern? And that's one of the ways. And um, the, it, this stuff does not have to be hard. And I wish in Canada it's actually taught in schools and stuff. I know. That's amazing. And I I so want it to be part of 
here, uh, part of the whole universe. Uh, you know, other aliens, I don't care. I want everybody walking around with this system because if we talk to our brains, they can work for us. Mm-hmm you know, rather than against us. So by stopping, you're saying, I I honor the fact that you have a, a great storyteller in there. I'm going to give you a job. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we have a project due. Why don't you go write that? <laughs> instead of saying, instead of getting the inner critic involved more, yeah, you don't judge it. You just, you know, that's creative. What? How else could you use that energy? It's all about mm-hmm. energy. How could you use that energy when the kid's bouncing off the wall? Well, how could we use this energy? Yeah. Um, you know, to the best of our ability. So um, along those kid lines, I wonder, because um, obviously kids are amazing at following their intuition and yeah. their impulse. And I wonder if you've seen any practices or environments where you feel like, wow, the child growing up in this situation is going to be able to hang on to that. Uh, yes, and it's it's whew, it's a balance. Um, it's a it's a tough gig in parenting. Um, it's in the place where the kid is heard. That does not mean the kid is in charge. To be clear, it does not mean that the kid gets a vote even sometimes, because sometimes it's a safety issue. But it's where the kid is respected to have their opinion, their feeling about something. When I work with um, the the, I've worked with teenagers a lot. I, I love them when I'm not raising them. <laughs> um, and when I see that that's been in their background, and the parents just don't know what to do now. Um, then I have so much to work with. And it's not about reintroducing the child to themselves. It might be about saying to the child, tough, you're 15. You don't get to say what's going on in the house. And sometimes I'm that voice for Mm -hmm. the parent. And then I say to the parent, could you get that voice? Because this would really solve the situation. When they're heard, um, but given the, the... feedback, we'll call it, that the adults are in charge, that this is a no-go. Um, they Then you raise kids that can get along with others. You raise kids that are open to other opinions. You raise kids who have been disappointed, and we need kids that have been disappointed, not because somebody let them down necessarily, but because they couldn't go do something because they didn't do their homework. Yeah. You know, and no, you don't get a dang trophy just for showing up. You don't. You have to at least run the bases and do something Mm -hmm. because inside of them is this amazing soul that came here to experience. It came here to learn. And if we're not helping them learn that recalibration is necessary, we are not doing our jobs. Mm. I have a granddaughter who's 13 and... (laughs) She just said to me a couple of weeks ago, like, she is my light. I adore her. She just said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know what keeps me on the straight and narrow? And she's got a kind of low voice, mm-hmm. so it's funny. And she's also six inches taller than I am. But she goes, you know what keeps me on the straight and narrow, Nana? I said, what's that, kiddo? She goes, that you will find out. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you think I'll do? She goes, you won't have to do anything. The fact that you might not look at me in the same way, is it makes me teary, mm. is enough to 
what did she say, is enough to make me want to do better for myself. And I said, well, then my job here is done. That's <laughs> you know? amazing. So, but I had practice, right? I got to practice before I got her. Yes. <laughs> so, and I don't have to raise her, so it's easier. Um, the one caring adult statistics are amazing in childhood. Having that yeah. one, she probably has many people, but having those people or that yeah. person in your life who yeah. is going to be that person, yeah. right? And it makes I'm, all the difference. It, it does make the difference. And I think the secret sauce is I don't edit with her age appropriate. I do age, absolutely age appropriate, although she came out 45, so it's a little easier with her. But I don't, you know, if she's mad or she's sputtering, I say, all right. But it, like last year, there were challenges with friends. And I said, well, what kind of friend are you? Doesn't mm. sound like you're a very good friend. And she's like, oh, and she took that and she came back and she said, my intention this year is to be a better friend to myself and others. And I mean, granted, she's had a coach her entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is what I think. I don't think we have to do anything special except let them know we don't know. We will figure it out. We hear them. We trust them. And we're in charge. Because they need this world's too big and they need to know somebody's in charge. And I think you're lazy if you don't play that part as a parent. I think from an intuitive standpoint, in honoring their wiring, I think you pay attention to the kid. Um, do they, you can always connect someone, adult included, because, you know, we were kids once. Um, you can always connect their intuitive abilities to how they learn. So if you have a kid that needs to get their hands on stuff, like one of my um, stepsons couldn't learn fractions until my husband got the measuring cups out. Mm -hmm. And then it clicked. And we were like, okay, that boy needs something in his hands in order yeah. to learn. Kaylee needs to hear it over and over and over again. So she's audient, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, I think if, if a kid says, I feel, we need to keep them connected to that statement because I feel keeps someone connected to their soul self. I think connects them to society and they jump out of themselves a little bit. You can mm. see it like pixelate almost. Mm -hmm. Like when I ask a kid, um, well, what do you feel about this situation? Well, I think, and I stop them. I say, no, 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 not what I asked. What do you feel? I don't care how you describe it. What do you feel? Yeah. And it keeps, you can see them hold the tether to their soul when they say, I feel. Mm. So something like, it, in my house, we had get your own night because I hated to cook. So I had three kids. I figured if we have one get your own night and then they each had to learn how to cook, so right. they each cooked a meal once they were old enough. There's four nights taken care of right yeah. there. So I thought it was brilliant. That's when their father worked at night. And I was like, I'm not cooking for these people. Um, and they're all good cooks. So I would say to them, though, what do you feel like having for dinner? Um, and it, it's something as simple as that. What book do you feel like reading? Two options. I'm not saying the whole shelf. Yep. You know, and especially with that indecisive kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which outfit? You got two. <laughs> By narrowing it down for them, you're in charge. Mm -hmm. By giving them the option, you're hearing them. 
And then that empowerment that's there, when they're in a group later on, this doesn't feel right. This does not feel right. And they'll have something in their reticular activating system, because everything goes in the box, that says, wait a minute. My mother always said I had to listen to what I feel. Come Mm -hmm. get me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, those are the... Those are the building blocks, right? But pay attention to how they learn. And you you can tie that to uh, even the words you use with them. Um, to keep, because I, I truly believe that if we can keep, if we can help kids stay connected to who they are, we heal humanity. Yeah. Because it's that discord. And... Life is going to happen. Disappointment's going to happen. Pain is going to happen. But if they're allowed to talk about it, if there are there are processes, therapists and and helpful, and play therapy and all this, if if they're given an outlet, you know, there's not as much cleanup later on. So it's basically we have to listen. We have to slow down and listen. So that's my long winded. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I want you to come hang out with my kids now. <laughs> I, well, like I said, I love kids I don't have to raise. Um, yeah. They're amazing. I, yeah. Josh and I always say, like, we just – these three people are, like, our favorite people to hang out with in the world. And they they, they, get, they live with us. They're our kids. So, like, they have to hang out with us. Right. Isn't that awesome? Because they're so cool. Yeah. Well, and that's a, a testament to the environment, as well, you know, I, I'd venture to say that they have been allowed to express their creativity in how they see a situation or how they see the world. There's so much that these um, beings have in their intelligence if we would just ask them. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times we're so quick to correct instead of saying, well, how would you handle this situation? Put it back in their lap. Most of the times, I used to do this with the kids with um, their consequences. Mm-hmm. I would say to them, well, what do you think the consequence yeah. should be of this? They were always harder than I would have been. <laughs> they were always tougher on themselves. And then I'd say to Howard, I don't know if I can hold this up. Like, that seems rough. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, that's their choice. And I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. I can do this. I can do this. Uh, where I would have been like, all right, you just... You, Give me, you know, give me the music device or whatever it was at yeah. the time. You know, these are the nineties. Um, uh, rather than, you know, can't go anywhere for a week because, quite frankly, that punished me. <laughs> but <laughs> so it's listening. I think listening and having them be kinesthetic to their world. Mm-hmm. You know, get dirty. Yes. Get your hands be in hands something. On. Build something that falls apart. Feel that disappointment. So a lot of what you're doing and a lot of what. The I'm obviously very familiar with Sesame Street and Scholastic. I was the best book fair parent ever. Oh, yes. Because I did it five years after my kids aged out. I loved it so much. But the the content and stuff, right, it talks about this. Yeah. And kids can handle concepts that we don't think they can. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the times if I find if I hand it back to them, they they solve it for me. Like I don't necessarily need to do anything other than champion for them. So yeah. The other day I was we were late to a surprise party, and I was extremely worked up in the car, and I was, you know, I was very uh, 
I was sharing all I was giving like the the external monologue that really should have been the internal monologue about mm-hmm. how upset mm-hmm. I was about being late. And uh, my oldest daughter said, uh, I think tomorrow you're going to tell us you weren't so proud of this behavior, mom. <laughs> and she was right. You know, the next day I was like, guys, <laughs> I'm not proud of that behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and that's modeling. Right? Yeah. You, you modeled it for her before. Oh, yeah. But kids stay in the moment. Yeah. So in the moment, were you late because that helped you not be in a car accident? You know, yeah. we don't know these things. Right. So we need to, you know, was it your surprise party? No, you already knew about it. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So and then what do we need to change to your point earlier about let me uh, rewrite the script? What do we need to change the next time so that we are a few minutes Yes. Know, ahead of the curve. Yes. So what is the learning what's the opportunity here? here? The aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for this being has been wonderful. I love dialogue um, and being able to uh, hear what other people are doing and how you're. Um, let me ask you one question before we go, because yeah. this is probably going to show up. I just came up with these questions this morning in truthfulness, but um, probably going to show up in most of my interviews. So what would you at this moment, because you're going to grow, you're going to expand. We won't hold you to this. Yeah. What would you like your offering as um, in this human lifetime to be like, what would you want to be remembered for? Wow. That's a big question. It is. The first thing that comes to mind is joy. Okay. Um, (laughs) This is it. And uh, the thing that I I feel most activated by is... uh, Bringing people together to experience joy, and not even—it's not even like I'm the orchestrator of it most of the time. It, but it's existing in concert with people who are able to collaborate and feel joyful together. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that's a high frequency. Joy is a high frequency in the in the energy um, spectrum. So uh, to be in joy is to be connected to that non-physical self. That mm. is the soul. And the soul exists in joy. One of the things that I have learned about joy as I get older is that, you know, I I think 20 years ago I would have thought of it as this huge thing. And now it's just like in the smallest moments, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can be this split second experience or something so small and subtle. So um, makes it easier to attain when you look at it like that. Yeah. And, And allowing it to be there. Uh, you know, because sometimes we'll see it and we'll acknowledge it, but we won't allow. So pausing to allow the joy in this moment um, fills you up. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, if people want to get in contact contact with you yeah. and your husband or whatever, do you have a production company? Do you have a place to go? We do, we... do but I think you could just... Um... I don't know. What's the protocol here? <laughs> <laughs> you can contact me. I'll get okay. you in touch. I'll yes, get you, you in can touch be the broker of yeah. relationships. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll screen for you. <laughs> <laughs> because I want this to be expansive for the people coming in, too. Yeah. So if there was someone, you know, this goes to 
right now we're in 28 countries in 49 states. And you just, I love the idea of um, connectivity. Yes. And like not really knowing what could come of a conversation. Absolutely. So I always want to put it out there that like, well, hey, if someone wants you to on their to be on their podcast because this was so fun for them, how do they find you? So you come to me and I'll check with her and see if it's okay. Awesome. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. VickyBear.com It's time to be your best It's time to reconnect With your first sense Trust in your gut It's the real thing Let's see what your future brings Time to let the fun commence Intuition Your first sense Thank you for listening to Intuition, Your First Sense. As always, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a review and take a minute to share it with a friend. You can find me all across social media at, at Coach Vicki Baird, and you can book a virtual session with me from wherever you are in the world at vickibaird.com slash booking. That's V-I-C-K-I-B-A-I-R-D dot com slash booking. Thank you again and see you on the next episode.